Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now here's Connie. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman, your host. Thank you so much for listening for all these years, <laughs> or maybe this is your first time and you have no idea what this podcast is about. It's about balance in mind, body, and spirit. I started it, I think, 2013. So gosh, how many years ago was that? That seems like a long time ago. And yeah, we've talked to lots of different people, authors and spiritual folks and people in the healthcare industry about nutrition. We've talked about working out. We've talked about pretty much everything that can keep us balanced in mind, body, and spirit. But I have to say it all started with my vision for myself to get back to happy after the loss of my child. Many of you know, I wrote a book called Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up. And yeah, I mean, that was my whole impetus for doing this because I found a way to bring joy back into my life after the worst thing that could happen did. And um, so I just wanted to share with you guys. So the guest that we have on today is in the same frame of mind, I think. She's she's had some similar um, life circumstances, and she is using her wisdom to help make other people's lives um, a little bit happier, a little bit healthier, and to cope with grief. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation because grief is our human uh, commonality, right? We all share grief of some form in life. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation, but before we get into it, I just have to share with you a happy thing. Uh, Blue Planet Eyewear is our sponsor, and I'm just loving my association with them. They make really cute sunglasses and readers, and they give back, which I am all about. So every pair of glasses that we buy from them, they give to someone who might not be able to afford uh, vision care. So check them out, blueplaneteyewear.com. And you can use code Connie20 for your 20% discount. So it's pretty cool. Check them out. Okay, I'm going to bring my guest in. Her name is Diana Stone. She's the editor-in-chief of Still Standing. She also uh, has her own blog, which we will talk about. It's called Diana Wrote. She and her military retired husband have two girls, eight and two. And they have three sons who sadly passed away after birth in 2012 and 2013. So some time has passed. So she's here to talk about it. And we'll let her talk about that. Uh, But I'm really excited to talk about her work with Still Standing Magazine. And she's also just recently graduated. And so we'll talk about her work as a trauma and grief counselor. Welcome, Diana. Thank you so much for coming on on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be here. Wow. Um, Every time I post on the Back to Happy Facebook page, anything from Still Standing, it just gets the most clicks and the most likes and loves and comments and everything. So thank you for your work there. Um, Can you talk about Still Standing? We'll start there. 
Yeah. Um, so Still Standing was founded, you know, in 2012, and the original founder was Francesca Cox, who has gone on to um, do some self-published books and some. She had, runs an Etsy shop and and things like that. So um, she does really just beautiful work, and it's mainly um, about really anything loss related and grief related. Um, and so. Uh, in between that time, um, she kind of stepped down as editor, but was still part of the magazine. And Lori um, Ennis took over for several years and ran it as editor. Um, and so recently, last year, then I took over um, as they both had some other things that were going on. And um, they stayed on to um, Lori became my managing editor. Um, we got some other people on a graphic designer, a content editor, things like that. And um and so, yeah, we our goal is to just bring more awareness to grief and loss and, and what that's like, especially online. Um, I think it's it's a whole different ballgame when it's an online grieving process almost versus an in-person. Um, mm-hmm. And so many of our family and friends watch this process unfold from miles away. So it's a very unique experience yeah. that Still Standing gets to be a part of. Yeah, I want to say uh, my daughter Megan died in 1991, and there was none of this. And yeah. as you know, as we'll talk about your story a little bit um, in a minute, but as you know, uh, grief is very isolating. And the last thing we want to do, it's the best thing we could do, but most of the time, the last thing we want to do is just be out with other people in the beginning stages. So having this and being able to kind of sit behind your computer and maybe have this community uh, is got to be so healing for people. Yeah. Yeah. Are you finding that? Um, I mean, I'm sure because it was it's kind of like a whole new world out there with this um, Internet connection. So are you finding that it is really becoming a community? Yes, it really is. And for a lot of people, you know, it's become almost their only lifeline, not forever, but at least Mm -hmm. initially it becomes their lifeline initially to go somewhere where, you know, it's exclusively about grief and loss. So there really isn't anything else that we talk about besides the grief and loss facing losing a child um, and or facing infertility. And our site is unique in that that's all we do. So, you know, there's been other sites and it's, it's really fascinating to watch this unfold as other sites pick up on this and say, you know, we want to talk about this more, which is always our goal is to, have other sites and other people begin to talk about this so grief isn't so taboo. Um, But ours really has become one of the only places you can go and you know at the end of it, you're still going to see grief and loss related articles. And so um, I feel like it's, I've had a lot of people tell me it's my safe space to go. I never feel like I'm going to click on something and go, oh, (laughs) that I didn't expect that and I'm not in this place right now. It's just... And, and everybody has, of course, you know, different feelings about how they handle grief, how they handle loss. But for the most part, ours encompasses, you know, each article kind of has something that resonates with somebody at least. Right, right. And it's it seems to me that um, for someone who is new to grief or um, maybe moving to that place where they're um, starting to find joy again, wherever you are, you can find people at that stage with you or someone who's written about um, and the the writers are so beautiful. Um, they write about the different stages that they're in and the different things that they go through. So yeah. um, 
So how cool is that? So talk about how you get your writers and where, where do they come from? You know, a lot of our writers have been with us for a really long time. There's several of them who have been there from the very start. Um, and then just recently, we, I think it was in January, we kind of did a, an opening up for um, getting, you know, some new eyes and some new um, perspectives in there. And so what I did was just very simply created a Google Doc, posted it on our social media, and kind of said, if you're interested, can you just fill out this form, tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, your social media, and um, we're going to pick about five or seven new writers to um, pull on. And so um, we had a, a wonderful just an outpouring of people who were interested or who shared it with their friends because their friends might have been interested. And through that, then we sat down and we went through every single one looking through. Um, and what we were really looking for, it was the hardest decision. What we were looking for at the time was really some unique stories from um, comments we had heard over the past few months about like I really wish that Still Standing talked about this more. I'm not seeing a lot of articles on this and a lot of it had to do with the loss of an older child. Um, they wanted a lot more um, infertility talk on there. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we kind of tried to see through there was maybe who could who could bring a voice to that and that we could come uh, you know bring on that would be able to speak about that on a on a pretty regular basis for mm -hmm. readers. Um, and yeah, so our, our process was pretty simple. Narrowing it down was very, very hard though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've done a great job. I just want to say, let's talk Thanks. about, uh, you because you write in your blog, I took a look at it and it's so beautiful and congratulations on recently graduating. You. <laughs> you can talk about that too. I just like to talk a little bit about your story and, um, kind of the miraculous way that you've come to where you are after your your boys and your your loss. So maybe just kind of take us back. Sure. Um, you know, it was so funny because as a child, I, I know everybody has these like going back moments after something has happened. But I mean, mine was so vivid that it was really weird. As a child, I was completely terrified of death, uh, anything, any of my pets, um, my grandpa that passed away. Um, and for about two years in sixth and seventh grade, I had night terrors and panic attacks in the evening that something was going to happen to one of my parents. And I was really almost untouched by death until I was in my early 20s and my grandpa passed away. And um, it was his, you know, he was older and, and it was rather expected, but it was still very hard. Um, and so when I began blogging, that was something that I began to see a lot more of where families, especially mothers, come out and say, you know, I really need to talk about this because my child passed away. And for me, it was almost like, oh, my goodness, well, I'm really sorry, but I'm really also glad that isn't me because that would be horrible to have to write about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um, after my daughter was born, we ended up unexpectedly pregnant with identical twin boys. And we were thrilled but a little overwhelmed. Um, she was about two at the time. And when I was uh, a little over 19 weeks pregnant, my water ended up breaking. And uh, I had a very traumatic week in the hospital staying to see if I could get them to 24 weeks because they were still alive and there was a small chance that that could happen. Um, and with that, I was treated so poorly that it ended up going viral and people got involved in it, you know, advocating for me um, through the hospital. And so... Um, yeah, so that was it was both wonderful and it, and horrible at the same time to have that going on on top of, you know, not wanting to lose them. Mm -hmm. um, they were actually born uh, about just a just a little under the week of the hospital stay and they were born and they were 
Born Alive, which was shocking to me because I, I didn't realize that they would live as long as they did. Um, my first son, Julian, um, he only lived a few minutes, but my second son, uh, Preston, he actually ended up living for over three hours um, unsupported, and he was uh, under 20 weeks at the time, so it was kind of a shock to me that that happened. Um, and then we went through a whole process after that of being told that because they weren't 20 weeks, um, because they didn't weigh enough, that they wouldn't be able to have any form of certificate, uh, life, death, anything like that. And that was very, very difficult. Um, we we thought that for over a month. Um, and out of nowhere, we got a call from the hospital one day asking when we were going to pick up their birth certificates. And it ended up that our um, doctor had put in that they were slightly over 20 weeks. And so because of that, um, we got birth certificates and social security numbers and death certificates. And it, it made it really real to me, but I always carry that feeling with me of that first month of thinking they weren't real to anybody, but just us. Mm -hmm. And that was a very hard grieving process on top of the trauma of the hospital and everything. It was very hard to grieve knowing that really nobody else felt like they were babies. Mm. Um, so I've always really carried that with me and, and kind of became an advocate for that because I felt like that was very unfair for me to not have anything to leave with. Um, and then the following year, I ended up pregnant with um, my uh, third son. Um, at the time, they didn't know why I had lost the twins, and I'd also had a pretty rough pregnancy with my daughter. So the doctors um, kindly threw kind of everything they could think of at me to get me to full term, and and, and it worked. I got to full term. Um, I had him. He was perfectly healthy. Everything seemed great. They took him to the NICU for just some breathing issues. And when he was four days old, we got a call just saying he passed his car seat test, come get him. My parents were in town. Um, we went and they said, we're going to just do an initial or, a, you know, a final checkout with our, uh, um, the, I don't know, the guy that was in there in the NICU, I guess, that was mm -hmm. doing those. And when he listened to Caden's heart, he said that he heard a murmur and he wanted to send it off to the cardiologist to make sure that everything was okay. Mm -hmm. And within just a few minutes, we got a knock on the door where we were and they said, you need to come out immediately with your baby. And they took him right there. I was asked if we had any history of SIDS, um, any history of heart defects in our family. And I was like, no, what is going on? And they said, you know, your son is very, very ill. He has severe cardiomyopathy. We're not even sure how he lived this long. And he needs to be flight for life immediately. Um, and so that night he was taken to Dallas Children's and um, they said he's going to need a heart transplant. Um as they started to run tests, trying to figure out what had caused this so that they could do a heart transplant, um, a random test called HHV6 came back as just off the charts high for his markers. And they didn't have any, they couldn't even measure it because it was so high. And once they started exploring this, they found a foundation in California that had been started, um, the HHV6 Foundation, reached out to them and they said there are very few cases and they're all in adults of this happening. And it's called chromosomally integrated um, HHV6, so CIHHV6. And that's what he was diagnosed with. And that somehow during my pregnancy, because I guess I have it and then it goes up 
like our generations and we had no idea. Um, somehow in my pregnancy with him, it had become activated. And so it attacked his heart and, um, it presents as a cold in most people, but I guess if you have CIHHV6, it can present completely differently. And for me, it presented as severe allergies, which I'd never had. And in turn, that virus ended up attacking his heart and weakening his heart muscles and valves. And so, um, once they realized that and they did some more research about the adults, that had had this, um, they said he's no longer eligible for any kind of transplant because we feel it would just activate this virus again. Oh, um, and so at three weeks old, he, um, he passed away in my arms um, with my family surrounding us. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was just the most unbelievable thing. Um, he passed away on the one-year anniversary of my twin's due date. Um, and so it just kind of really, really threw us for a loop for a long time. Um, before him and then after him, we had two failed adoptions as well, one international and one mm. um, domestic. And then um, about a year and a half later, we unexpectedly ended up getting pregnant with our daughter. Um, and actually, I didn't take any medication during the pregnancy. I was monitored by the HHV6 Foundation, and she was born um, overdue and completely healthy. Mm. Um, so... Thank God. Yeah, in the meantime, um, a lot of a lot of therapy, a lot of um, healing, um, a lot of just stuff like that for our family, and um, it's it's been quite a few years. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we can talk about it after a while. But oh my gosh, as you're telling that story, I'm thinking, what a roller coaster! What a roller coaster emotionally for you and the family. Oh. Um, yeah, so many emotions here. First of all, my first thought also is, isn't it amazing what we can become experts in when we have to, (laughs) as you were talking about this thing that you probably had never heard of this, you know, virus and abnormalities in the chromosomes. I, my daughter had a um, congenital heart defect and I had, you know, it never even occurred to me to think about that when I was pregnant. And um, I soon learned more than I needed to know about every single congenital heart problem that there could be. And I was the one who actually diagnosed her. So it's interesting how when we're pressed up against the wall, we can really uh, learn quite a bit. So, um, so Diana, did you have people asking you throughout this, uh, these, both of your, um, well, three, there were three, but two at a time, my goodness. Um, did you have people asking you how in the world you could, you could get through that? Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) If I had, if I had a nickel for every single person who asked me and I only lost one, I can imagine that you, you, um, had, you would be very rich. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and at first I think it had a lot to do with, um, yeah, I wasn't even able to grieve my twins so much because there had been so much trauma that had gone on with it that I was kind of shell-shocked when I came out of it. Um, And I think, you know, because of their ages, um, you know, a lot of people had trouble really sympathizing for a long time. It was, I mean, they they sympathized at first and it was very sad, you know, but um, I think that was one of the hardest parts was that, you know, because they were little under 20 weeks and and such and I don't have a lot of pictures or anything like that Mm -hmm. um it's just it wasn't quite the same um but when Caden died and and he was you know full term and we had pictures and everybody followed his story for a long time um then 
yeah, it was just one after another of how how did you how did you survive this? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's um, interesting, and I, and it's one of the reasons I appreciate anybody who um, makes public the the really delicate nature of uh, dealing with the grieving because I can uh, relate to your situation, even though mine was very different. I lost a six year old, and I can remember one of my dear friends, well meaning dear friends comparing me to another friend who lost a 21-year-old and saying, well, she had him for so long. And it just was like a stab in my heart. I'm like, we're not, our grief is not yeah. a competition. No. It's, it's, no. it's very um, sad and traumatic for all of us. And we should really, um, you know, embrace one another and not try to compare. Right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's probably lesson number one for anyone who is... Um, wanting to show compassion to someone else don't ever yeah. compare yeah you have some great articles on your website uh i know some of the commonalities that we have are these uh, situations like um one article i noticed was about how many when people ask you how many children you have and there's that brief split second when you have to decide do i want to go into it again or do yeah. i want to just um and you have a really good article about that what do you say now yeah, you know, at first I really struggled with the guilt of that. I felt like um, at any situation I should have said something, and then, um, you know, you never know what somebody's reaction is going to be. And so you either leave feeling like, oh, you know, they got it, we kind of connected, or you leave feeling even worse because they tried to minimize it or they got uncomfortable, and so then you're like, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've learned over the years, for me personally, to just kind of gauge the situation. Um, if it's a very brief encounter, like, you know, at a grocery store or something, and I've gotten that before, and I know I'm going to just be there just a few more minutes, I will normally just say, like, yes, you know, these are these are my two. Um, if it's going to be longer, you know, um, my hairstylist or something like that, I'm going to be sitting there for a while. Yeah, I normally do say, um, you know, I have my two daughters, but I also have three little boys who passed away shortly after they were born. Um, because I feel like at that point, we can kind of connect on a little bit more. And, and even if it makes it a little bit uncomfortable, um, there's usually a common ground we can find somewhere. Like, even if they have an experience lost personally, maybe they know somebody who has and um, that kind of stuff. And so, there still is a little bit of that guilt when I say, um, yeah, it's just, you know, these two or, or, yeah, you know, we just have girls or, but I try to let it go with the fact that in, in some instances, it's better for my own personal, emotional, um, well-being to not have to go into detail and then have the wrong response and no time to kind of figure out how to react to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's such a simple thing, but it comes up every time someone asks you how many kids you have. And yes. like my daughter's birthday who passed Megan, I have to say her name, Megan Rebecca is next week, March 26. And so it's, it's um, interesting. We're having this conversation today because I feel like it's sort of an homage to her because Every year, it's like, oh, it's her birthday, and she would be this age, and um, yeah, that old that old grief comes up. She would be thirty three, so we're um, we're getting up there, but still, it comes up, and you know, there's a lot of, a lot of joy has happened since she has uh, she's passed, but you know, still, 
it's it'll be with me for the rest of my life and there's an article about that and you know you you just have so much wisdom on this this um magazine in this magazine that i feel like it could benefit anyone who's going through grief so let's let's go to some joy let's go to um not only do you have your beautiful girls but you also have been inspired to study um working with bereaved people. So talk about how you came about, how you decided to uh, go back to school. Yeah, so um, that's my next step is to um, go into the master's program this fall and start that. Um, But I just finished up um, a degree. I almost had a degree in teaching. Um, I was right at the cusp of just doing student teaching and I was done. Everything was finished, testing, everything. And um, I kind of stopped because we moved to um, where I am now in Texas, and it is a very uh, Spanish-speaking community, and I speak no Spanish. So they were like, if you're going to do this in a public school setting, you're going to need to know some Spanish. And I thought, you know, I have a little one, and and I was pregnant at the time. I thought maybe I just better take a break for a while then and and see what it takes to be able to do this. Um, But in 2014, about a year after um, Caden passed away, I got an email out of nowhere from World Vision that asked if I would want to go on a trip with them and several other people um, that do social media and learn about um, maternal and infant mortality in Zimbabwe because they had really, Zimbabwe had a very poor outcome for children under the age of five and also for mothers um, during and and directly after giving birth. there was a very high maternal death rate there. And so what they were doing was having us go over so we could see the work that they'd done over the past few years to lower those statistics. And so I went with them and um, I was over there and I got to interview women who had lost children um, recently, who had lost them, you know, 20, 30 years ago and talk with them about um, what that process was like over in a completely different country and culture Mm -hmm. and everything. And um, when I came back, I realized, you know, I, I think this is what I want to do. I think that I want to be able to help people in a capacity that, um, you know, I have the credentials behind me to go somewhere and actually help because I understand, um, I love what I do now and I love blogging, but I understand that sometimes with companies there's some limitations because I don't have those credentials behind me mm-hmm. that they're like eh, a little iffy with you talking to people about this because what if something happens and you know, the liability and things sure. like that. But um, I've been in therapy for several years already and I really enjoyed that part of it. And so um, I went back to school and I got a degree that focused in psychology so that I could move on to um, getting a master's in professional counseling and specializing in grief and trauma and being able to do um, work, I'm hoping, a lot overseas um, and working with people that are in uh, disaster and traumatic situations. Um, so that's my that's my hope with it anyway. So beautiful. That's so exciting. Well, it's so funny. You mentioned that this opportunity came out of the blue. I call that a God thing. Yes. <laughs> and you mentioned yes. that you were you were terrified of death early, when you were young. I just want to say I was too. Oh my gosh. I used to old houses. I couldn't go into old houses because I felt like, you know, there were ghosts everywhere and yeah that fear of death and I too uh, my first death was my grandfather at I was 16 I was a little younger than you but it's funny how we are um we are uh, sort of propelled into these situations where we have to make peace 
We really yeah. do. We, we have no choice but to make yeah. peace. These are our children. <laughs> so yeah. the out of nowhere God thing that happened, um, did you feel like that was sort of a little miracle, a little small miracle that happened? It was. Mm -hmm. We'd actually had, it happened in August of 2014. And, and the odd part was that that Sunday we had gone to church. And I've always thought that somehow I would end up being a missionary somehow. But we'd had, the, the past year had just been a complete disaster for us. Not only Caden dying, but my husband, he was really, really attached to Caden. And when Caden died, um, he already suffers from um, post-traumatic stress disorder, and he has a, a TBI from um, the war in Iraq. He was there in 2004, 2005 as a Marine. And so when Caden died, it kind of tipped him completely over from everything he hadn't dealt with. And our lives that month especially had just been a complete mess. And I remember sitting in church, and they had missionaries there from Russia who actually had adopted, and our adoption had just fallen through our second one as well. And I remember listening and just being so angry. And when they prayed, I bowed my head and I just said, you know, I don't understand why you put all this stuff on my heart if I'm not going to get to do any of it. What is wrong with you? Why would you give me this life and, and just not do anything with it? And so I was very angry. And that Friday, I got an email from World Vision. And it was, I remember just reading it. And I just started bawling. And my husband was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and I said, read this. Like, look what this is. And um, I mean, we sponsored children, but I never, I wasn't like personally connected with anybody yeah. there or anything. She just was like, you know, I, I found a blog and I think you'd be like a great person to come on this. And it was amazing. It really was. The timing of it was unbelievable. That's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool. God is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think... I just want to wrap it up and we'll give all the information about uh, the magazine and your blog and everything. But I want to say my book, Back to Happy, was uh, nine chapters about um, different ways to um, sort of deal with the grief and move forward in life because I, none of us want to stay there. It's grief yeah. is hard and um, a lot of us have a hard time. We kind of can get stuck if we don't keep moving forward in some way. So that's why I really appreciate having resources such as, as you and your the magazine and your blog so that we do have a place to look. But um, the final chapter is really about giving back because someone told me early on in my grieving process, I went to a Compassionate Friends meeting and mm -hmm. I had a hard time going to Compassionate Friends because I, I was so empathetic to other people that it I had my grief and then I had their grief so it was yeah. like like I couldn't have talked to you back then because I would have been oh my gosh my mine is bad and hers is worse and they would have just piled it on top but now I've well, learned to I've I've learned to um deal with other people's grief from therapy and from um, a lot of different practices. But anyway, my last uh, chapter was about giving back, which I think at that compassionate friends meeting, someone mentioned that the final stage is giving back. And I was like, I want to just get there now. I want to, I want to get, but you can't, you can't go from zero to 60 and yeah. uh, you have to kind of pass through some stages. And, and um, it's a, it's really with grace that we do pass through those stages. So we should sort of feel each one <laughs> as we move through them, right? Do you have anything to say about that? I don't know if that was very articulate, but... <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to be articulate with the grief thing too, but no, that was, yeah. that was right on. Um, Make no apologies. That's the first thing in this uh, surviving the loss of a handbook 
thing that I yeah. posted on my make no apologies. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. <laughs> it's everybody wants to get through it. And I think, you know, the second time when Caden died, I remember that was the first thing I thought was, I just can't believe I have to do this again. I just did this. I just felt like I had come out from under that grief and trauma of losing my twins. And then I turned around and had to do it all over again. It was sickening. Um, and so, yeah, it's, if you're, you know, if you're listening and you're new to grief or you feel like you're never going to get out of this, just know that, I mean, all of us feel, have felt that way at some point and still do at some point too. I think anniversaries can really trigger that as well. Of Like, I just, I can't believe I have to go back here again. Um, but I think that time softens that edge a little bit too, to a point where you kind of feel in a way grateful that you still feel as deeply and as tenderly towards those moments as you did even in the initial first few days and months. And that it's a symbol that no matter what, no matter how long we, you know, your, your grief has been and, and how many years have passed, it's that deep love of somebody that we've lost. Um, you know, you, you never get over it. And I think it's just a reminder of that, of mm-hmm. you can get through it, but you never leave it behind you because you love them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's simply what comes with that. Mm-hmm. And I love what Joe Biden said. Um, it was, something related to his son. And he said, you know that you're healing, and this is just paraphrasing him, you know that you're healing when the thought of them, instead of crying, it makes you smile. And I thought, yes, that is very true. It's not that there's never a time for tears, that's not it. But if you can catch yourself once in a while thinking of something and you kind of are a little, you know, grateful or smiling or something like that, I think that you need to remind yourself, like, look how far I've come with this too. Mm -hmm. And look at the God things. I think the God, the God things that happen are just uh, reminders or like little reminders that we are here for a purpose and yes. maybe bring a little bit of meaning to the the pain of grief. So yes. yeah, yeah, it's awesome. All right. So give us all the information where we can find the magazine and your blog and anything else you want to share. Um, sure. So our magazine is still standing mag, M-A-G dot com. And we have so many amazing, talented writers who have each experienced loss and infertility, and they have um, just the most powerful stories. So we would love for you guys to visit us and to read. Um, we have different categories depending on where you're at in your grief process or what you're experiencing, if it's solely infertility, if it's solely loss, if it's a mixture of both. Um, and uh, our, our writers are just the most amazing people. So you can find them there. We're also on Twitter, but we don't do a whole lot there. But we're on, we're very active on Facebook and we're profiling each of our writers um, this month and next month on um, Instagram as well. And again, it's just still standing mag on Instagram too. Um, you can find my own personal blog at Diana wrote W R O T E.com. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I'm, you can connect with us anytime. You could connect with any of our writers on the page. You could also just connect with me if you wanted. Um, but, um, really like still standing has just been a wonderful resource. Even before I was editor, I was a writer and then I was a reader and it's just a lifeline for Mm. so many people. It really is. And I'll continue to share it on our back to happy 
uh, Facebook page and uh, this surviving the loss of a child handbook. It's like a little uh, PDF that you guys had posted. I shared that today and it's gotten so many likes and loves and comments and everything. And one of the things out of many that it says is you deserve happiness. And that's something we might um, briefly forget when we're going through grief. So just remember that you were born into this world for joy and um, it will come back. But yes, um, take your time with your grief. Thank you so much, Diana. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I know a lot of people will gain gain a lot of wisdom from uh, everything that you share with the magazine and your blog. So good luck. Good luck with your your masters. I can't wait to follow you and see where you're going with it. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, have a great day. I hope uh, we're hope you enjoy spring. We're getting a ton of snow here on the East Coast today. So (laughs) I hope your your day is sunnier than ours. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Take care. Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up, is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.